Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds in the studio. It's Thursday, getting closer and closer to Friday. Thank God. Can we say thank God yet? All right, this is some kind of mess up in Iowa. Um, and we actually got someone in, this, in, in on staff that's a huge Iowa fan. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask her her thoughts about this later on today. But, uh, man, that betting, it just keeps finding its way into all kinds of different avenues. I should say this is a mess. And it involves not just one school. It involves two of them, Iowa and Iowa State. Arguably the two biggest schools in the state. That's certainly the two football Division One programs. And they have at least seven athletes involved in betting. Okay, so why is this a big deal? Well, number one, there's a, a cheat. Uh, th- this has been in effect for years and years. In the NCAA, no athlete is allowed to bet. Doesn't matter who they are. Well, that's an NCAA violation right there. That's not what the problem is. These guys who are doing the betting are all under age. You've got to be 21 or over in Iowa. It's, it's legal in Iowa, but you've got to be 21 or over. They're all under 21, and they have forged other people's names on the tickets that they have who are older. Well, you leave a paper trail when that's the case, and it doesn't take investigators very long to figure out what on earth is going on here. One of these guys, I, I, this is this is just so bizarre, this kid named Panero Johnson of Iowa State, he is an NCAA wrestling champion at 150 pounds, and he is one of the seven in, individuals. Uh, football players from Iowa, football players from Iowa State, and uh, a basketball player from Iowa, former players are also involved in this thing, but... Hey, it's, it's going down the tubes very quickly. The NCAA violation speaks for itself, but the government violation, forgery, oh boy, that's some trouble. Yeah. When you get on that level of uh, nefariousness, definitely <laughs> looking at some time. Yeah, Pac-12 conference. New word that you just yeah. coined, right? <laughs> Nefariousness. <laughs> I, hey, man, I think that's a word. Uh, <laughs> Pac-12 conference is looking like it might be teetering on the edge. It does, and they may very well be. And, of course, it's the TV money. They don't have anywhere near the television contracts that the other big uh, conferences do. Now, you say, wait a minute. This is UCLA and Southern Cal and Oregon and Washington. Well, that's just it. UCLA and Southern Cal are about to say sayonara, and so has Colorado. That's effective next year. Well, the new commissioner of the Pac-12 presented his plan to the rem- uh, remaining teams or remaining member schools, and the plan was not satisfactory. He thought that he had a pretty big TV deal going. It is not. It's with Apple TV, and it's going to result in maybe $30, $29, 30000000 million a year for each of the colleges. Well, that pales in comparison to what the other conferences are offering. Heck, in the SEC, it's about $50 million. But over and above all that, the Pac-12 seems to think that they're going to disintegrate here. If Washington and Oregon leave, which is a distinct possibility, that the conference is... is Null and void, really. Washington and Oregon could very well go to the Pac-10, and Washington State and Oregon State could end up in other conferences as well. And it's all, Mike, morphing into what we suspected all along. It's not immediate, but what's going to happen is geographic conferences around the country, five of them, Northeast, Northwest, Southeast, Southwest, and Central. That's how the five major conferences will be uh, absorbing of all of the Power, uh, power football teams or power athletic teams. That's how it's going to work. And about maybe 10, 15 years from now, that's what it will be. And you can see it taking place right now. There's another school involved, too, Florida State. 
they're talking about leaving the ACC because mm. their TV money isn't good enough. This is really, really bizarre. Yeah, well, it's just we're watching it happen right in front of us as the movement towards a regional system. That's the only way it's going to have to work. Eventually, they're going to have to clamp down, and that's the way it's going to have to be. It, just, it is what it is. And it'll be interesting for college football when that finally gets uh to that point but uh, right now we're watching it happen in real time all right i know a lot of people are freaking out chris jones hasn't made his appearance in saint joe he's working out as ned always says he's a professional he's doing his due diligence and i'm sure he will be there because look it's cost him a lot of money not to be there <laughs> well it is fifty thousand dollars a session and that's mounting up. Now, last we checked, it was $550,000 that he owed, and he has to pay it. It says so in the contract. Teams cannot say, oh, we'll take care of it. No, uh-uh. he has to pay it himself. Here's the deal. Jones is sitting out. He hasn't come to a contract understanding with the Chiefs yet. He wants $30 million-plus $30 a year. That's what the Aaron Donald and some of the other big-time defensive ends are making. Well, he's making this year, if he plays, $19 million. Mike, $19 million speaks for itself. That's a lot of money. And you're going to forfeit that because of your ego? I don't think so. I do think he plays. But he's made some rather cryptic remarks on Twitter and some of the others, like, hey, it doesn't always work out. Have a good day. And, and things like that. Well, it has the Chiefs fandom all upset. It has some of the media who have nothing else to cover. Uh, writing stories about it and so forth. I think he does come to an agreement, maybe uh, playing the rest of this year without signing a contract, but he will be there. He has to. He's not going to forfeit $19 million. No, he's not. And he, at the end of the day, like you always say, is a professional. The Cardinals now have a series going on with the Twins. Were they able to secure a dub yesterday? You know, it was shaky at first because they had suspected rain coming into St. Louis, but it never materialized, at least for the game. And the Cardinals did play and got a win. Beat the Minnesota Twins 7-3. to Great pitching job by Dakota Hudson. He had Minnesota shut out through six innings in this game before the Twins finally got some runs. The Twins, folks, are not a very good team in this reporter's opinion. Yes, they are battling for the lead in the American League Central, but yes, the American League Central is among the weakest divisions in all of Major League Baseball. The Twins don't have a power attack. They do have pretty good pitching, but it didn't come to the fore last night. Joe Ryan was lit up by the Cardinals. Three-run homer by Alec Burleson. The Cardinals had three other homers beside that. And Cardinals fans are saying, hey, it's great hitting the home run. Not in this reporter's opinion. When you're going up there swinging for the long ball, you're going to lose more often than you win. That's just a private opinion, and I wish the Cardinals would quit that and concentrate on their hitting. They did have 10 hits last night. That's pretty good. But, folks, you're still 13 games under 500 and 10 and a half out of first place. You have to face the facts. Got to face the facts. Speaking of facing the facts, the Royals get a win yesterday? They did. Shut out the New York Mets. Hell yeah, The Mets have just completely crumbled. It was the Royals four, the New York Mets nothing. And the Springfield Cardinals don't look now, but they are in first place in the Northern Division of the Texas League for the second half. Scored two runs in the last of the ninth inning. Beat the Northwest Arkansas Naturals last night 4-3. And this team's playing pretty doggone well. They play again the Naturals tonight, tomorrow night, Saturday night, and Sunday. All at Hammonds. You'll get on out there and see them. It's a good team. Has some new additions because of the recent trades. And this will be, it's an exciting time. Want to see the Springfield Cardinals play. 
63 years ago today, Ned's got his big book of facts. Crack that thing open. This is a weird deal in uh, baseball, wasn't Absolutely it? Absolutely the weirdest to the point where it's the only time in baseball history this has ever happened. 1960. I'm sorry to say that I remember it very well. <laughs> the only time in baseball history that managers have been traded for each other. It happened between the Cleveland Indians at the time and the Detroit Tigers. Uh, a situation in which Cleveland traded Joe Gordon to the Detroit Tigers. Gordon was the Indians manager. He becomes the Tigers manager. And in return, the Tigers manager, Jimmy Dykes, moves on to Cleveland. Uh, that didn't change the fortunes of either of those teams. They continued to stumble, but trader Frank Lane, who had a renowned history in baseball of trading just on a whim, on a knee-jerk, you know, he pulled off that very first and only time ever managerial trade, and it was 63 years ago today. Ned, you have a wonderful Thursday, and let's get to Friday as soon as we possibly can.